difference between what it means to be good when you're trying to be epic. Uh, no, you don't gotta believe in me. Nothing can stop me. I already said it. I'm taking everything they stole from us. Yeah. You got your problems, I'm a whole nother. I'm giving people something to believe in. I'm a show them freedom like a boat. Welcome back, everyone, to its last call. Last call with the alcohol only on it is Blue Wire Hustle Network. And now, joining me on the line, well, we have Brent Primus warming up in the bullpen at Bellator Fame. We're going to be talking to him about what's going on, the SUG tournament. We're going to be talking later on this hour about uh, Spence versus Garcia. I got Chris Glover ready to go with that. But now, join me on the line. This man here is going to be, well, Eventually, defending his title, he's been trying to keep a record. We're not sure what's happening, but he's looking forward to it. There's a pay-per-view coming up and all this, but right now, he's the man at TNA as the or, sorry Impact Wrestling as the Impact X Division Champion. Proud to have once again on the show, I give you it's Rohit Raju. Well, Rohit, let's start off here with they now have faith in you. They put you are now the champion. You're they, you know, they, they're not, you know, giving you the full million dollar purse, but you're giving, you're giving you the groom and all this. How nice does it feel that you've actually achieved one of your goals? You said you want to be a champion, you want to be a big player. You're now a big player. Uh, to be honest, it is the greatest feeling in professional wrestling for me, as far as my professional wrestling career. I have never had more fun than being the X division champion and then, and just being such a ridiculous POS. It has been, uh, it's such a blast and I'm loving every second of it. I absolutely love it. Well, let's start off here before we talk about the character first it's the wrestling, because you look at the, the history of the X division, it's, it's, it's a, you know, it's the best usual wrestlers who hold this. It's, AJ Styles, it's guys like Kazarian, Chris Sabin, Samoa Joe. Even more recently, you had guys like Lashley, Eddie Edwards, Willie Mack, Ace Austin, Brian Cage, now Rohit Raju. I mean, that means you're pretty damn good. So what does that mean? So how much, you know, how much, I guess, confidence you have now going forward going forward knowing that okay they view me as a good wrestler it's not just a character they actually know i can work a match and you know carry a match if i need to and that's funny because a lot of people for the longest time like and i've talked on every every interview i've done there's that stigma of rohit raju just being the bottom guy you know what i mean he's being a job guy he's being enhancement talent there was that that whole feeling. And when I first won the belt, you could see people like, what, why did he get it? He's been a loser and all this other stuff. And I feel like my run as X division champion, I have shaken that off. I have proven that I am more than just, uh, 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 just some guy there. And I, and that's what I've been, I think when I talked to you last, I, I said, I wanted to prove that I'm more than just some guy there. And I have, so it's, it honestly feels great. It feels fantastic being in that class of names that is a who's who in professional wrestling and here's my thing a lot of people don't get it like today's professional wrestling fan you know you have to do in order to be a great wrestler you have to do like all these things in the ring like I used to wrestle that way to be honest I used to and, and I still could but as Rohit Raju as the exhibition champion that's not what i'm trying to do that's not what i want to do i want to be different and whether you like it or not i honestly don't care but i want to be different and so i feel like that's what i'm doing so instead of doing all these cool fancy normal x division things i am taking underhanded tactics and i'm being sneaky and i'm being different and that's to me that's i want to be different i don't want to be the same I don't want to be able the guy that, okay, you can just take my clothes and put it on that guy and we're doing the exact same stuff. I don't want to do that. I want to stand out in the crowd and I feel with my run love or hated, that's exactly what I'm doing. But it feels great being in that class of names. It's man, it's insane. And having a decent run as champion, that is phenomenal, man. And no pun intended, but that's just a, a great feeling. It's funny. I know we talked about it. And the guy you beat Chris Bay, who we've had on the show, there were a lot of people who loved him because, and I know that you and him have done great matches. He's a phenomenal talent. 
He's somebody that most people say he's going to be a star. He can do anything oh, he wants. Definitely, definitely a star. How tough is it sometimes when people just look at the shiny toy and go, oh, shiny toy, this is going to be awesome. It's like, no, 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 wait a minute here. This is, guy, you know, some guys have had to earn their dues. I mean, you know, for every, you know, Brock Lesnar, uh, Roman Reigns, Brian Cage's who looked apart, you've had guys like Sonya Dutt, yourself, AJ Styles, uh, even guys now like Pentagon Dark over in AEW. Like, they've had to work their way through it. Just, you know, this is the journey. How much do you feel people don't you know, appreciate that? Where it's like, look, I've had to work to do this here. I've had to overcome all this, do comedy gimmicks and all this crap. This, I've, I've earned this. Uh, you know, I try not to, I guess I would try not to, I, I guess, pay attention to that. Because in today's society, it's that, ooh, piece of candy. You know what I mean? Like, I like it right now. And it's in my face. And like you said, it's, ooh, it's shiny. And they're telling me to like this and everybody else like this. So I should like this. Oh, but this guy, nobody else likes. So I shouldn't like it type thing. I, I know my worth. And I know my worth because my peers know my worth. And that is what is important to me. And when I won the X Division title, the messages that I got from some of the names in professional wrestling the tweets that people that I didn't even know were paying attention to me tweeted. And that to me, uh, when I got backstage, the congratulations, people coming up to me, that uh, makes me realize, yeah, I'm, I'm on the right path. I'm doing the right thing. The hard work that people see, the hustle that people see. And it's not like, oh yeah, this guy's been in the company for a long time, so we should reward him. No, because there's plenty of people that have been in companies for a long time and they weren't that great and they don't get rewarded. You know what I mean? I know my worth and my worth is being exhibition champion. And all I needed was a microphone and a chance. And that's exactly what impact gave me. And I feel like, Hey, they gave me the ball and I've been running with it. Uh, and that's, that's my thing. I feel like it is a journey and a lot of people don't respect that and they don't get it. Like wrestling fans nowadays, they don't get it. They think they get it, but they don't get it. So I don't pay too much attention to what they're saying because it's it's hot one one minute this is hot and the next minute they don't like it and for and for no reason whatsoever they just don't like it because something new and shiny comes along so I really don't pay attention to what they have to say because to be honest it doesn't really matter to me what my peers have to say that's what matters to me because if I'm doing right and I'm doing good in the ring and I'm doing good on the mic and I and I'm hitting all the I'm firing on all cylinders they're gonna let me know and they're also gonna let me know if I'm not. So that's what's important to me. So, yeah, it, it, they, people don't realize there's a journey and how hard you work. People don't realize, like Seth Rollins, for example, uh, and Sammy Callahan, these guys were in the indies, you know, struggling along and, and, and hustling and working. And they were nobodies, and people didn't think they were going to do this or do that. And there was a few people that thought, like, yeah, these guys are going to be good. But it wasn't until they were there at the top that everybody wanted to latch onto their name and latch on to their, their success. So uh, there's those stories like that. And uh, I feel like I'm going to be one of them. How tough is it? And it, you, as you mentioned all this here, how tough is it doing all this with no crowd? Because usually with a crowd, you can get an idea of what works, what doesn't. It's like a comedian who's throwing jokes and goes, okay, I got the crowd hot on this. So this I can't do. And it's, it's across the board. I know that, you know, you have WWE, we're doing, you know, Zoom stuff. That doesn't really, you know, take into effect. AEW is having fans who are plants. That doesn't do much. You guys are basically, it's a cold audience. How tough is it trying to, you know, figure out the material of what works, what gets heat, what not, when there's nobody. It's, it's basically like just you're practicing in front of yourself and, you know, your peers, and you're not getting that third party who might go, well, yeah, we love this. We don't love this. And they'll let you know right away what's hot, what's not. Uh, at first it was weird and now I'm used to it. Now it's all about telling the story in the ring. You have to convey to the audience at home. What is the story? What's going on? And, and, and the announcers, you know, they got to help with that as well, but it's not, it's not as hard as it was when we first started doing it. I don't mind it. Um, I do miss having a crowd. I can imagine just getting booed out of the building every time my music hit. Man, what, what a feeling that would be. And uh, so that I do miss. 
and certain moments without a crowd, like winning the exhibition title or, or winning, being successful at Bound for Glory. I wish there was a crowd for that just so I could hear that reaction and play off of it even more. But now with no crowd, you really have to, you have to tell the story in the ring and be able to convey what's going on to the cameras. So I think that is, uh, you, you, you depend a little bit more on the Shakespeare of the situation than you do anything because, you know, you gotta have the, catch the cameras, hit the facials and stuff like that. So yeah, you have to, I guess you, I mean, I, I don't know how to word it at, at the moment, but I guess it's, it's honestly just telling the story in the ring still, but it's, it's almost in a different way to where you're not worrying about what's around you. You're worrying about what's out there, out in the world. And that's who you're playing to. Cause normally, and even when we did have a crowd, you, you still got to remember, you're still playing for TV. So you still have to remember you're telling the story for all those people at home, not just the people in the arena. It's different when you're at an indie show. So I guess that's the only difference. If you're just tuning in, ladies and gentlemen, once again, we've got this Rohit Raju on the show. We're talking all things, of course, uh, character building. We're talking his, his impact X Division Championship. We're talking peers, success, uh, work. Let's, as you mentioned, the story is the biggest deal. And I know with friends, I've always argued that perception helps. And it, I don't blame the fans because it's the promoters sometimes. If you're doing a comedy gimmick, it kills you. I mean, Shava Guerrero was a great wrestler. It killed him working with midgets. I mean, people just didn't take him seriously. And the same goes with, you know, Brian Myers or when you have Bray Wyatt and, you know, his his flock at times getting beaten up by The Rock in 10 seconds. Like, okay, they, they don't mean much then because the promoters don't see that much. How much of this run is also about you talking with the writers and going, look, this is my story. I want to tell it. I also want to make sure that you guys don't make me look like a complete friggin' joke. There are times where I'd say, hey, uh, I don't think this is a good idea because I am your champion. And you want to make me somewhat, uh, you know, worthy of holding this belt. And I understand we're doing like a, a weaselly gimmick in a sense, but I do have to be a contender. And there's a couple guys um, it was after Bound for Glory that I really got to step that up. The match with TJP, I think, was one of them. I stuck with Crazy Steve. Stuff like that, I really had a chance to shine. And uh, the match with TJP was probably one of my favorite matches at Impact. I thought it was a really good back and forth and got a chance to show that, hey, I can do stuff in the ring as well as on the mic and, and be a character. But you have to be a, a valid champion. You can't just continue to, I guess, um, skip your way through your title through your title reign you got to have some valid wins and whether you, how, how you get there is one thing but it can't be oh you lose here you lose there you lose this you lose that so luckily i had some wins under my belt that helped solidify me as a champion um i know some guys can do it just right and like i look at eddie guerrero and kurt angle they could be very funny and goofy but then they could be absolutely dead, like just dead serious and a threat. And that's what I kind of take inspiration from and to see guys like that, because they could do it at the snap of a finger. And I think when TJ and I had that promo in the ring, you know, I come across as, you know, uh, very cocky and arrogant at first. But then when he says something that really upsets me, then I start to get serious. And here's a thing, too. If you ever look at any of my indie work, especially stuff I did in Chicago at AAW, that's me having a chip on my shoulder and just being an absolute angry, bitter individual. So I can do that. You know what I mean? It's not like I can't do that. And I feel like I got to show a little bit of that in that promo. It can be very vicious. So, yeah, I do. They don't do too much to where they, they uh, I guess you could say, ruin the character. Because I do feel at any moment, especially when I'm in the ring, I show that aggression and I show that viciousness. So hopefully it doesn't convey that I am just a comedy act. I think back in the day when I was with the Hit Squad, it did. But now I think it's a little bit different. Hopefully. It's, as you said, it's, it's kind of a company is going a lot of different parts. They're moving here. You're on, you are on Access TV. 
2021 is coming around. Some people might be might be leaving. Some people might be staying. From what I've heard, you have re-upped with your, your contract. If that's correct, which means they view you as valuable. How much does that mean to you, knowing that the company's going, okay, you know what? We're not just going to put the title on you. We're actually going to meet your contract demands. We're going to do this here. We're putting our money where our mouth is. We view you as somebody who is popular, you know, as somebody who's big to the company. For which, you know, when we talked last time, you said, hey, there are still people in this company who are like, eh, we don't get this Raj, you know, Rui Raj. We're not really sure about him here. We're on the fence. Uh, it feels great, man. I honestly, like I, like I said earlier, I just needed a chance to prove my worth. And I feel like I did. And um, it does feel good when they hit you up and say, hey, we want to resign with you. We want you to, uh, you know, stay with the company. And I honestly like saying I want to stay with the company because finally I'm getting a chance to do my thing and sit at the big table, so to speak. And I, I hope it honestly lasts a very long time because when I got the belt, a lot of people, they get, they reach that and they're, they calm down and they, they're like, okay, cool. Finally, I made it here. For me, all it did was make me want to work harder and be better. And whenever I do drop the belt, it gives them uh, incentive to put it back on me. Like, hey, he ran with it. Let's put it back on him in the future. That's what I want. And, or give me bigger shots. Give me bigger opportunities. Put me in the world title spot, you know, stuff like that. I feel like I can carry matches. I feel like I can carry promos. I feel like I can carry a segment and do stuff like that. I feel like I can be a very a big player in the company and that's all I want. And I feel like I've, they've given me that this year and it, it feels everything that I've had with the contracts, all the media, the matches, um, the backstage segments, the fact that they give me a mic and they say, okay, go cut this promo. And they pretty much let me cut whatever promo I want. Maybe give me a bullet point here and there. It's such an outstanding feeling. It's what you want as a professional wrestler, that creative freedom, that attention, and that ability just to go out there and do you. So I've had a great time with the company. It's funny because everyone's like, ah, 2020 is going to be my year. And then 2020 was a horrible year for <laughs> the majority of the world. But man, once they flip the switch on me, as far as professional wrestling goes, 2020 has honestly been my year. And it's, it's been the best. As you mentioned, with everything going on here, it's pay-per-views coming up. We have coming soon. You'll have a, a December event coming up on the 12th, I believe. I know that's you have always the end of the year event, which for you guys is going to be, uh, I guess, the new year was going to start off with Hard to Kill. That's going to be Nashville, Tennessee, January 16th. And then there's a lot of, you know, this might happen, that might happen. Hey, there's talk of a crossover with New Japan Pro Wrestling now with the Good Brothers are there because they're in good, you know, tight with those people. And there's AEW talk, there's all this. All The biggest thing, though, is always reinventing yourself because you can't just do the same thing every year. We've seen it with the best wrestlers, whether it's AJ Styles, Seth Rollins, even The Undertaker. It's, okay, yeah, we did this. Now we're going to tweak the character. We did that. Now we're going to take the character this way or that way here. How much do you spend time, you know, when you don't, when you're not wrestling, just going, okay, I want to do this maybe next. I want to change this character going down the line. I might have a more darker approach. I mean, how much do you think about the possibilities so that when this character gets stale, when Rohit Raj of the POS, you know, sneaky heel gets stale or, you know, starts getting stale, you go, you know what? I have a great idea for how I can take the character. I might go uh, Ronin, you know, 2021 or i might go full on just conor mcgregor or sadistics sob how much do you spend on trying to go okay i want to be ahead of a curve i want to be ahead so that i'm never just that one hit wonder character all the time i walk around my house cutting promos all the time i walk around my house thinking about what's next all the time one of the funniest things and it's honestly the praise has been fantastic i honestly appreciate it but i see people writing or i hear them say oh he's he's improved so much i haven't improved i just found my comfort zone and people are just starting to pay attention to me which i think is hilarious i've always been cutting promos this way i've always had this confidence maybe not an impact 
but I've always been very comfortable in the ring and I've always been me. So that's, that's something like I, I used the, I use the analogy, like I'm like a lion that's in a cage and he was butting his head against the door. And as soon as the, the zookeeper opens up the door, the lion takes off running. That's exactly what I was. I was already ready to go. I just needed them to pull the trigger on it. You know, and that's all I needed. So as soon as they did, it wasn't me. I already had the idea, like if a long time ago, well, if I ever became champion, I have to change my look. I'm going to get that 98, 99 Dwayne swag. And that's exactly what I did. I bought all these shirts, these crazy looking shirts that are so loud and obnoxious that I became loud and obnoxious. Uh, and I think it, it just translates on the screen. I already had that in my head. The next thing I'd like to do, you know, what happens when I lose the belt? I think I should become cruel and vindictive. I should become hellbent on getting that title back because that's it. That, that was my breakout moment was winning that belt. So now the character of Rohit should feel like he needs that. He needs that to get that back. He thinks that's his identity. And then maybe somewhere down the line, he realizes that's not his identity and he is who he is, you know, but I think the hunt for gold should be in his, his, uh, whether it happens or not, it should always be in his his uh, tunnel vision. It should be in his focus. It should be in his game plan because now he thinks that's his identity. And he's, instead of being the comedy act, now he's more cruel and sadistic. But, you know, it's hard because it also depends on, I can shoot all these ideas, but something has to stick and they have to pick it up off the wall and want to go with it. But I'm always thinking, I'm always trying to transform who I can be, who I should be, what I can be. And uh, I never want to stay the same person because sooner or later, like you said, this is going to run its course. I can't continue to be this guy. I have to evolve in a sense. And I'm, I'm always ready to do that. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, we are proud to have on the show a man who is, well, killing it right now. And you can check him out. It's going to be Tuesday. It's going to be only on Access Network. It's going to be, of course, Impact Wrestling. Plus, he'll be probably having a fight. We're not sure when. We're going to have to tune in on Tuesday to find out about final resolution on December 12th. And then, he, as we said, there's something coming up in uh, January, which, oh, it's this big pay-per-view we can't talk about yet, but we'll find out more. I give you, it's the X Division champion himself. I give you Rohit Raju. Uh, Rohit, before I let you go, where can the fans check you out at? Where's the Twitter page, Instagram, the website? Where can fans hit you up at? Uh, of course, you can find me at Hakeem Zane on Twitter. If you go do Raju Zane 80 on Facebook and Instagram, and of course, ProWrestlingTees.com slash Rohit. I just dropped the new Flex Division t-shirt, which has been selling real well. Go get you some of that material. Go get you some of that, that shirt of the champ. And uh, yeah, that's it, man. Of course, I'm, I, I, I am on Twitch, but I don't stream. I usually just jump in my friend's. Um, when they're streaming, I jump in there and say hi to everybody and just kind of show some support. And I have a YouTube channel as well, but honestly, I don't do anything with those because I'm too lazy. I don't know. Maybe I'll start doing like Rohit's reviews and just review random things uh, it's to get some, uh, since I have some a little bit of clout right now. But that's where you can find me on the good old social media. Rohit Raju, ladies and gentlemen, once again, we are proud to have the X Division champion on the show. We come back, though. We've got, it is Brent Primus plus Boxing Talk, all this and more only on Last Call. Last Call with the alcohol, only on this, the Blue Wire Hustle Network. Stay tuned for more great action coming up. Fighting is going to be December 20th, only uh, the uh, SUG tournament here. The best grapplers in the world compete against each other. And, well, he'll be taking on Craig Jones in a grappling match. No striking, just grappling. 
submission wrestling. I'm looking forward to it here. I give you one of the top contenders for the Bellator lightweight title. I give you Brent Primus. Uh, Brent, let's start off here with, so you were training for a Bellator fight. You were, it was going to be December 10th, and now all of a sudden that fell through. Luckily, this tournament has happened here. What happened? Like, what is going on here, and what did you hear leading up to all this? Oh, man, about six weeks ago, I got a call from my manager and uh, asking, uh, Bellator wanted me to fight December 10th, and so I said, okay, let's do it. And so I started training. Um, I, I went through a full fight camp. I lost, you know, over 25 pounds, and um, I, I even called my manager last week, and he's like, yeah, they're still looking for an opponent for you, so just keep training. And so I've been training my butt off, man. And then uh, luckily, Chael Sonnen called me last week and asked if I want to do the SUG um, December 20th against uh, Craig Jones. And so I was like, man, let's do it. I don't think I'm fighting. So um, so here we go, man. I'm going against one of the, the best, uh, scariest leg lock dudes in the game. So it's going to be kind of cool. So let's talk about SUG. For those who don't know, for because a lot of fans, you know, even I'd say hardcore fans are still un- – sure of this what is sug and why is it that every grappler seems to want to do it like what is the benefit of doing this tournament yeah it's the submission underground that uh chael sonnen throws and um yeah i mean he gets some of the best grapplers all around um and uh we go at it and it's it just a cool setting you know we're, we're going at it in a cage and we got five minutes to try to submit each other and you know slams are allowed and um, you know, it's pretty cool. And then, and if nobody gets submitted after that five minutes, then it goes into overtime rounds and those, you, you, uh, your opponent gets to either pick to take your back or to get you in an arm bar. And, uh, if he submits you, then I get to pick an arm bar or back and I have to submit him within that time or sooner. Um, but yeah, it's just kind of a cool cool way you know it's just different from the ibjjf and and all the other grappling rules you know so it's kind of it's kind of cool how much do you look at this as sort of a way to improve because we, we talk about especially with the newer generations coming up a lot of them they have this they come used to be you came straight from wrestling to mixed martial arts now you have a lot of guys who they grew up doing black belts jujitsu Right now, coming into MMA, how much do you feel this helps you with getting used to guys who they know how to look for a submission, they know how to get a submission, and they know how to set it up so that you don't see it until it's too late? Yeah, man. I, I mean, I'm going against literally. I don't know if anybody knows. I mean, that people that are watching this or listening that uh, Craig Jones is like, he's the man right now in uh, submission grappling, his leg lock game, his heel hooks, and. And everything like that. He's uh he's a very dangerous dangerous opponent, and uh, you know also I'm gonna put my skills against him. And um, I feel like anytime you compete at a high level against a high level grappler like that, you know, especially with cameras in the audience, I feel it it helps out in fighting in the cage and and, and not you know just getting just competing and getting rid of all those the nerves and and um and all that stuff. So I think it's definitely gonna help you know i'm just glad to be competing you know um since i'm not fighting december 10th it's it's good to just keep on going and keep competing and just get your name out there and everything but um yeah man it's definitely uh it's definitely gonna help i feel like if i can do a five minute round and not get my leg broken by craig jones i feel like i can go against anybody in the cage and uh not get you know leg locked or or, or get submitted so now how tough is it when this is his rules. You can't do leg kicks. You can't do punches. You can't do elbows. You know, there's no striking allowed. There's no, you know, any even head butting or even forearm shots. Grown ground upon you. You're literally walking into his world. How tough is that? When everything else, your body's going. Oh, you're down on top. Throw an elbow. Throw you know. Throw you know. Elbow. Throw you know. Ground pound. Now you got to tell yourself, no, I got to go straight for the grappling yeah it's definitely different man like just yesterday i went and sparred you know hard we were beating the crap out of each other doing hard 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 mma rounds and you know it's definitely different but um you know i'm definitely going to hit in his uh game right now i feel you know um but at the same time like i started in the in jiu-jitsu this is like my, my background and 
you know, I can definitely go in there and, and put my jujitsu skills to the test and not kick him in the head, I feel, you know. But if it was uh, reversed, I feel like I'd be smashing Craig easy. But um, definitely I'm going to – in his world, man, he's a, he's a wizard and, and I got to be careful. And um, But I'm, I'm definitely confident in my skills and I know if I played my game plan and I play really smart technical uh, game, then I can uh, definitely beat him. And uh, it's going to be exciting, man, to put my skills to the test and uh, against him for sure. I've been watching him and um, watching him rip people's legs off for the last year or two. So it's going to be kind of cool. How much How much do you feel confident in this fight? Because you have a win over Jake Shields. And I know people some maybe poo-poo that, but in terms of grappling and submissions, Jake Shields is as good as they get in this sport. I mean, he's one of the best. In the you know in the world when he wants to just do submission wrestling, how big was that for you, confidence wise? Going in, going all right, I can hang now. If I can beat Jake Shields, I can beat almost anybody else they throw at me. Yeah, I mean, like like I said, I'm really comfortable in my jujitsu. I uh, train with you know guys in the UFC and and Bellator and and world champions, and um, you know I, I I'm really confident in my jujitsu. I know I'm one of the, I, I can hang with the best in the world, you know? So, um, I, I do think that Craig Jones is a little bit different of a, of a grappler, you know, uh, than Jake Shields. Uh, Jake Shields is, is definitely, you, you know, badass in his own way, but I think Craig Jones is one of those guys that, um, if he catches you, it, it's going to be your leg. It's going to be your ACL, your, your MCL, your, your knee, you can blow out your whole knee and everything like that. You know, I think that like, most grapplers, if they get a hold of you, they oh, they might choke you out in a rear naked choke, or they might get you an arm bar you tap. But Craig Jones is a deadly, deadly grappler, man. He'll he'll get a hold of your leg, and within a second, he can have your whole leg torn. You know, so um, it's definitely a little bit different. And, and you know, going against uh, Jake Shields was, you know, like a lifetime opportunity for me. That was awesome, man. I looked up to that guy and, and forever, you know. But I just feel that Craig Jones is a little bit different and a little bit more dangerous of a grappler. So um, I, I feel that if I beat Craig, then uh, definitely, man, I'm a, uh, I can hang with anybody in the world uh, grappling for sure. Once again, if you're just tuning in, we got Brent Primus here on the show. We're talking all things, of course, submission underground 19, December 20th. We're talking uh, weight training here. We're talking lead locks. Let's talk about the frustration this year with everything that's going on. And it's it, I know you're, in a, you're in a tough position here because, as we said, you fought before COVID. You took on and beat a very tough Chris Bungard with a neck crank. And then all of a sudden you can't fight. And I get it. You know, there's not much here but in Bellator's lightweight division. Chandler left. The champion is still tied up in his tournament. How tough is it? tough as it being one of those guys who you're too good for prospects, but yet there's nobody else sort of that they can put you with because either the champs tied up or, you know, other guys are just, you've already either already faced them or they're waiting to see what the hell is going on with their tournament. Yeah, man, this year has been, uh, it's been a pain in the butt. You know, I got a couple more fights on this contract and, and I was really trying to get three fights this year. And uh, I fought at the beginning of the year. And I, I signed a contract and I had a fight in July. I got ready for that fight. I lost a bunch of weight and went through a full fight camp. And that fight got canceled from COVID. And uh, so that was kind of a pain in the butt. That was July 14th or something like that, 17th. And then and then I had a, um, a fight supposedly December 10th. And then that one, again, I don't, it's not happening. So that's two fights this year that I've gotten ready for and I've cut weight for and uh, couldn't fight. So that really was a pain in the butt, you know, but uh, yeah, it's just, just obstacles and, and, and everything. So uh, I'm really hoping that I can get a fight the first of this year and uh, get back on track, man. I really need to get paid and I really need to get fight and, and just get my name out there. Two part question here for you. First, who was, did they mention the opponent who you're going to fight on the, on the 10th? I mean, was there a certain name thrown out there? Was it Benson Henderson? Was it uh, Patricio, you know, Patricky uh, Freire? I mean, was there anybody they gave specifically as a name? I was supposed to fight Yamaguchi uh, on, in July, and I uh, thought it would have been an awesome match. You know, he's a, 
I feel like he's got one of the best grappling jiu-jitsu games in Bellator. And so I think that was an awesome match. So that, that fight got canceled. And then six weeks ago, they said, we're looking for an opponent for you. Just get ready, man. We'll have an opponent for you. And I trained my butt off and dieted and, man, quit smoking, did everything I could. And, and uh, as of to now, they still haven't told me that they have not found an opponent for me. I'm just assuming that they haven't because it's, you know, less than a couple weeks away. And uh, so, yeah, it just sucks, man. It's it's so hard training and spending so much money on these fight camps and losing weight and spending time for my family and then they them falling through. Like, it's uh, it's, 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 it's a pain in the butt for sure, man. It really is. But I'm in good shape right now, so I'm just going to try to stay in the grind and, and keep training and stay in the gym every single day. And so hopefully I'll be able to jump on the first fight of 221. At what point did your manager, I'm guessing, go and start talking to Rich Chu and to Scott about, look, can you give us an interim title fight? Can you make any, can create an interim? Because as somebody's pointed out, the lightweight division has literally been held hostage for a full year. And I get it, you know, Patria, you know, Pitbull's in the tournament. You know, you don't want to have him just have a fight outside of a tournament. But I'm guessing you, Patricky, uh, guys like even Bungard, guys like even God, you've all got to the point where it's like, okay, what the F is going on with this damn division? Is there a division or are we just waiting for Pitbull to go, yeah, I'll defend the title now? <laughs> yeah, man, it's uh, it's hard. It really is. I've heard Patricky or Patricio, I'm sorry. I heard Patricio say in an interview that he's willing to give up the belt if his brother uh, can fight for the belt. And Man, I'm all for that, dude. I'll fight Patricky, Patricio. I'll fight any of those Pitbull brothers for the belt uh, anytime. And um, just to keep the division moving, man, it really does suck for all of us that are, um, you know, wanting to get that belt or, or just wanting to progress in this division. And it's kind of at a halt right now. So, um, but uh, like I said, man, I'll fight anybody for that damn belt and I'll fight the, the Pitbull brothers any day, man. I think it'd be an awesome fight for me. And, um, yeah, it just sucks, man. I really don't know what to do. But right now, I'm just, I, I just want to get paid. So whoever they want me to fight, I'll fight. It's no big deal. At what point do you guys maybe plan to go and sit down with Coker? I know that right now, everything has been sort of haphazard with them being in Connecticut, you guys mostly being in California. There's quarantine. There's all this crap here. Have you, have you and your manager talked to Scott or talked to somebody and said, look, when can we sit down? When can we get an idea of what's going on? Because as you said, you're not getting paid. You're, you're, you're basically in a standstill here. And I'm guessing, as I said, you want answers. You want to know what the hell is going on. Hell yeah, I do, man. But that's up to my manager. That's what uh, he gets paid for. Man. That's his job. He should be getting on this and, and getting on. I think all the managers should be for, for the 155 division. If you're in Bellator and you're 155er, we should all have our managers and, and, and everybody harassing them and hashtagging or do whatever we can, you know, uh, let's get this ball moving i don't i mean yeah it sucks man and i think we all got to do something but uh like I've, I've been harassing my manager and about my fights and he says the same thing man i'm talking to bellator right now man they're trying to find you opponent and i think the same thing they're they're kind of at a weird spot to find me opponent are they gonna find me a prospect are they trying to find me you know one of these top guys but i know i, I just uh, i know some of the guys have fights lined up already and 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 another thing that's so weird, man, I was, I was supposed to fight Yamaguchi in July, last July. It got canceled because of COVID. And then I just saw that he's fighting on December 10th. And uh, that's just so weird to me that they just didn't uh, reschedule our fight. I don't know why they didn't reschedule our fight and why he's fighting on December 10th and I'm not now. So it's kind of really, it's just really frustrating, <laughs> really frustrating. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Once again, this man here will be fighting either it's going to be on Bellator or probably December 20th at the uh, Submission Underground. But either way, he's going to be back in action. I give you uh, the former Bellator lightweight champion. I give you Brent Primus. Uh, Brent, before I let you go, where can the fans check you out at? Where is the Twitter page, Instagram, the website? And who are the sponsors going to be for this grappling contest coming up on the 20th? Yeah, Brent Premise at uh, uh, Brent Premise one fifty five. You know, look me up on, on Instagram and all that stuff. And um, you know, I'm I'm always uh, virus man. They've been hooking me up. They got like the awesome shorts and gear, the best fitting shirts and everything. So um, I'm always uh, re re representing that virus on the grappling matches, man. And 
um yeah again look out for me on the sug on december 20th man me and craig gonna go at it and it's gonna be a an awesome match and i'm ready to shock the world Brent premise ladies and gentlemen once again we're looking forward to seeing him in action only on it's a submission underground december 20th uh, we come back but we got a whole lot more only on its last call last call the Without the alcohol only on it is the Blue Wire Hustle Network. Stay Wrestling champion. We then followed up with Brent Primus, who well, he hopes to be fighting soon, but he will be taking on the Submission Underground uh, event in December 20th. But now joining on the line, this man here is going to be breaking down what happened in Texas. Uh, where does where do all parties go? Plus, he is promoting his own little fight card December 19th. We're going to get involved in that and a whole lot more. I'll give you Chris Glover. Uh, Chris, let's start off here with Spence Garcia, uh, the good, the bad, the ugly. Let's start off with the good part. Was it, it was a good fight. It wasn't a great fight here. Yeah. What did you take out of that fight? After everything, that, after all 12 rounds, after everything was settled, we, we did rounds of scores. What did you take out of that fight, both Garcia and for Spence? I, I thought it was, it was, Evel Spence hasn't lost a step. Um, many people thought coming into the fight that, not only in activity, but obviously the accident he was involved in um, would play a factor, and it, it just didn't. I thought he was absolutely fantastic. Um, I think for uh, Danny Garcia needs to be given a lot of credit as well. Um, that fight wasn't, you know, it was, it wasn't, uh, you know, a, a wide margin fight. It wasn't. Uh, he didn't get embarrassed at all. It was a very technical fight, and Danny showed that he's still a world class operator. Um, so for me, there was no real losers on the night. You know, um, I think Errol can, I think Errol's next, he's got to fight Crawford next. Um, you know, um, I think it's going to be a technical masterclass, that fight, because they're both technically outstanding fighters. They're the two once-in-a-generation type talents. Um, and I believe Danny Garcia can definitely come again. When you, when you have two people of that technical ability fighting each other, they become chess matches. So you're not always going to see, you know, um, you're not going to see, you know, wars and some, you know, television fights, as we call them, you know, which is all action. You're going to see a chess match from time to time, but that's what happens at the elite level. Um, and I thought last night was a chess match and the right man won. Um, but there were two very good fighters in the ring who both deserved the utmost of respect. Is there anything Danny could have done differently? I mean, because... You work with Andre Rozier. You yourself yeah. are a fighter, so you know more than most of us here. Is there anything that Danny and his, his dad could have done, or are, is is he, is this what he is? is he, you know, a guy who is, you know, doesn't have much foot speed, relies on his power, has good shin, and just he's getting the most out of what he has. I, I absolutely like. I agree with that. Like, I, I know Ewell's feet were far quicker than probably most people would have thought they would have been. Um, Danny didn't keep his foot on the outside, and let, let um, when when you fight a southpaw, it's all about keeping your foot on the outside of their right foot. So if you're an orthodox fighter, you've got to keep your foot on the outside of their right foot. That's how you know you control the range. Um, and I thought Evel was allowed maybe at times to control the range a bit too much. Um, if he's going to step in and control the range, you've got to have counters on point. Uh, for me, I just I thought Danny maybe could have you know worked on his counter-punching maybe a little bit better in the gym. Who knows? It's, it's really hard to say if you weren't in camp with them. Um, that's just my opinion on... That's an across-the-board opinion I have. Unless you're really in with the team, seeing how they prepare, it's quite hard to make a you know a, a very you know accurate analysis of what they could have done differently. But for me, um, you know, I, I think Danny's still got a lot to give. And, you know, he'll probably take lessons out of that goal come 
go back to the gym and come back stronger. How much does it hurt him that, for whatever reason, he can't get over the hump? And look, his loss is no shame. Uh, Keith Thurman, one of the best in the division. Sean Porter, yeah. you know, as durable as they come in, in a tough you know, SOB. Errol Spence, the cream of a crop in the division. So it's not like yes. he's losing to bad fighters. But does it hurt that he just, for whatever reason, he's not, you know, whatever, he was a, a monster at 140. You know, at 147, he just seemed, can't, he can't seem to beat the good fighters. Yeah, I don't, I wouldn't say the good fighters, I'd say the elite fighters. They've, you know, there's been a world champion and then there's been an elite level world champion. I'll reference, you know, there's, I've seen fighters become world champions. I don't want to discredit a world champion because I'll probably never be one. So how can I discredit a world champion? But there's different levels to world champions. So like, okay, maybe I'm not. Someone like Scott Quigg, okay, who was a world super bantamweight champion. He was a world level champion. And then you had in the same division at the same time, Guillermo Rigondeau, who was an elite level champion. He was on the pound for pound list. And I think Danny Danny is fine at world level. He's just struggled at that elite level. I think that that's a fair comment about Danny's ability. He, but he can hang at that elite level. He's just come up short on a few occasions. But could he? Can he become world champion at one forty-seven under the right circumstances? Absolutely. Meanwhile, Errol Spencer, is there anything he doesn't do well? And when, again, we try nitpicking, maybe he can fight from his back. He can, you know, back foot. He can fight going forward. He has power. He can stay from the outside. When you look at that fight, and yes, he, he lost rounds. You're going to lose rounds in any, in any fight you're in. You know, the opponent is actually pretty good. But is there anything that anybody can do to stop him? Or is he that, that rare bird? He, you know, the complete fighter with no weakness. The one thing I saw about Evel Spence is you can, you can maybe, you can maybe counter him. That's the only way I think I can see someone countering him and hurting him. You've got to hurt him off the counter. He's a complete. He's he's a very close to being a complete fighter. He's an excellent fighter. I would favor Crawford going in because I think Crawford's the most complete fighter out there. Because Crawford does one thing better than Spence. He's better on the inside. Crawford took the fight to the inside against Spence. He may have some success. One thing Spence does have though is an in which you saw against Mikey Garcia is his size. He's a monster. He could end up at middleweight. Um, I think Spence may struggle when his size doesn't matter as much, when he's up there with the light middleweights and the middleweights. Um, you know, someone like Erislandi Lara could give him trouble because of his just size. Um, but I, th- I think he's going to be troubled as he moves up, but everyone's troubled when they move up. But uh, I think that's where you'd see more consistent, harder fights for Spence when he moves up. But a welterweight, the only person I really see trouble in him to the, to the extent he may lose is Terence Crawford. I'm not, I, I don't even think Manny Pacquiao would. Where does Spence go from here? I mean, I know there, there's a lot of people who are talking about Spence Crawford. They want to see that fight. Let's face it, Aram, Heyman do not like working together. If they don't have to, they won't. You have yeah. Pacquiao out there. You have, of course, Keith Thurman lying to win. Both those guys want the fight, they both bring money to the table. Is it safe to say that we probably won't see this fight going? Because if you're, if you're Errol Spence, I don't see him wanting to take less than, you know, 50-50 for Crawford. And let's face it, Crawford does not bring the money that Pacquiao brings. And it's not going to be that easy to make compared to a Thurman fight. Are we going to – is basically the next fight for, for Errol Spence going to be uh, Manny Pacquiao or – Keith Thurman fight. I personally think Pacquiao's going to fight Conor McGregor next, so I'm not sure about that fight, because that fight could happen. Next um, maybe Keith Thurman, but I can see Crawford maybe jumping over to PBC when his top rank deal runs out, and that's running out in the middle of next year, so that fight will probably happen next year with Spence, unless Spence moves up, but um, I think realistically, Keith Thurman's probably going to be his next fight if he fights in the interim. But as you know, the PBC fighters they only fight a couple of times a year, so Spence maybe Spence maybe uh, you know could hang around and just fight Crawford in the back end of next year. 
whatever is going to probably come out soon, and we'll find out. We you know what's going on here. What should we expect? I mean, I know that there was a big push here. It was Garcia Thurman, but when you look at what's going on with COVID, when you look at the undercard, which had nothing basically. I mean, it was a. It, I hate to say it, but it was a direct undercard. What should we expect for as good numbers for Spence Garcia, considering everything that's going on? Sorry, can you repeat the question, please? Yeah, so with everything going on, with COVID, with a Drek undercard, what should we expect for pay-per-view numbers? Um, I'm not sure, because obviously with COVID, there's more people tuning in. So I'm not sure. It's obviously going to be in the hundreds of thousands, but I wouldn't say it's going to be anything over 200. It's not going to have a massive buy rate because there's not that much public demand for it outside of the boxing world. I'd say, yeah, probably a couple hundred thousand, maybe even less. I don't, I'm not really that sure on that if I can, if I'm being honest. This Saturday, we have it's a boxing smorgasbord if you want. You want some PBC on Showtime with young kids? You got Chris Colbert versus Jaime Arboleda. You got Ronalds yeah. versus Maddie Kobarev. You want a heavyweight? Hey, we will give you on. The zone, Anthony Joshua versus uh, Kubrat Pulev. You want to yep. see some stuff from ESPN? You got Martin Bacoli versus Sergey Kuzman. You got Marius Walk versus Yuri, you know, Huey Fury. Give me the fight that you're looking forward to the most. Doesn't have to be the best, but give me the fight you're looking at going. This is going to be the fight which is just damn good. It'll be even, and I don't know. I have no idea who's going to win. I'm excited for AJ Pulev. Really, I am because I like I like it. I'll you know you don't really see Anthony Joshua in bad fights. I know the second Ruiz fight wasn't the best, but you don't really see Joshua in, in bad fights. Pulev's going to come to fight. Bob Arum and Top Rank are really confident in him, so I'm excited for that fight. Um, some good undercards. I think Kuzmin's far too good for Bacoli. Bacoli's not got the best trainer, so I think that that could prove really dividends. You know, it's it's. It proved it last time with Michael Hunter, you know, when he, he quit against Michael Hunter. Let's face it, he quit. Um, once you quit, you will quit again. So, um, I think Usman's a tough, tough guy, and I think he'll win that fight. Um, but I'm really excited for that. I'm really excited to watch Joshua. I, I love heavyweight boxing. I don't profess to know everything about it, but I love heavyweight boxing for the action value. So, I'm excited for that. Well, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up in the last part because we now know what happened with Joe Joyce, Daniel Dubois. Daniel Dubois, broken orbital bone, nerve damage in his eye. There are still people who say, oh, well, well, you quit. Well, you don't need to show enough heart here. You've seen guys die in a ring, you and I. You've seen, you know, guys who have just not, not you know, the same afterwards. And I, I look at Kel Brook, who he's, he's a shell of himself after – standing in there toe-to-toe and taking the beating from Spence, taking the beating from Triple G. Are we too hard on the fighters, especially young guys who, look, Daniel Dubois was in pain, couldn't see out of that eye, and it was just to the point where I'm guessing he even thought, okay, I can't win. I can't see. I think that's an extenuating circumstance, though. I don't disagree with Dubois quitting in that because it could have ended his career if he didn't. Also, I believe that it's been bad management from Dubois and they've fed him too much too soon. And I like David Price as a human being, one of the best people I've ever met in boxing. But David Price was moved too quickly and that's why he didn't have the career he could have maybe had. Um, I think that's that just happened with Dubois. Um, but it's the same with Kel Brook. Kel Brook, when Kel's eye went, Kel will never quit. But when your eye goes, that's a different, that's, that's, that's your vision. It's completely different. Quitting when you're getting beaten up is a different story and not digging in and being a man about it. That's what Michael, that's what Bacoli did against Michael Hunter. Uh, so I think there's different types of quitting. If you're just tuning in, ladies and gentlemen, once again, we got boxing writer turned boxer slash uh, promoter, Chris Glover here on the show. We're talking all things Dubois. We're talking Spence versus Garcia. I got to ask you, you, you you guys are now doing a card December 19th. And it's, Absolutely, uh, yeah. Holiday Havoc. It's What made you do that? And how tough is it putting together a card nowadays when you got COVID, you got six feet apart, you you know, you, you can't have as many fans here. Uh, what made you guys do it? And how tough has it been putting all this together? 
been incredibly tough. Obviously, it was you know I've been pushing the idea with Andre, but Andre come Andre Rosier and Andre come around to the idea of it. You know, but I'm not going to take credit for it myself. It's a lot of people's hard work. Myself, Andre Rosier, Billy Blair down in um, Tennessee. He's been helping us. He's he's been working as the on-site promoter down there for us. Um, MTK Global have been a massive help as they you know as there are global partners that have it. Um, and uh, you know, there's a whole team, Jay Adesibia from you know, who is our graphics and media, visual media man, he's been fantastic help. Um and uh, Joe Kiembo from Split T has been helping us with the matchmaking. You know, it, it, it's it's a team effort and you know, we, we want to do what's best for the kids. We you know, we advise and manage kids and we want to do what's best for the kids. And um that's what and that's what uh, you know we are doing with this event. It's basically to get the kids paid before Christmas, get them active. And obviously with the COVID restrictions, it's been a nightmare. You know, you can only have certain people in the amount of people in the crowds. It's costing a lot of money, but it's the sacrifice you have to make if you want to progress the fighter's career. And that's what Andre and the team are doing. How tough is it for you guys just mentally with everything here? Because you, you know it's now, <laughs> if one person gets sick, you got to shut the thing down. If yeah. one fighter gets sick, you might have to worry about, you know, the rest of it. I mean, what are some of the things you've had to do to take precautions? And how much is this going to be not a normal, you know, fight week when you probably have to have a bubble, you probably have to have people sequestered, you won't have media in certain parts, fans won't be in certain areas here. I mean, how much of this is for all you guys sort of terrifying because it's uncharted territory? You're, you're, it's, you're figuring this out as you go along and hoping nothing bad happens. Fortunately, we've got a fantastic team down there, headed up by Billy Blair and Southport Promotions, who are taking care of a lot of those logistical elements for us, so we don't have to worry about it too much. So I'll be honest with you, I'm very, very lucky and happy because of that, um, that they're able to do that. But it is a lot of stress. It's a lot of pressure. I'm doing the job of about eight different people at the moment and getting credit for zero, but that's another story. But yeah, it's it's really hard at the moment. Um, but you just got to do what you got to do, and um, you know, hopefully it'll all you know be worth it in the long term. Last question for let you go: What's the success of this? I mean, I, I know that in a perfect world, you and your team would be looking at December nineteenth and going, "All right, we we have a sellout crowd. You know, yeah. we get TV here. We're gonna have yeah, a nice little seat here." Yeah. Yeah. That, that's not happening because COVID, I'm guessing, in South Carolina... Well, we, we have got TV. We have got TV. We've got an IFL TV, you know, on YouTube. So it's a great platform for us. Um, really, ha- thanks to MTK Global and Jamie Conlon for uh, doing that for us. We've got a we've got a top-class show. We've got Peter Dobson topping the bill in a WBC, USNBC title fight, Melissa Parker, Colmean events in an NABF title fight, and a top-class undercard, you know, of talent. So... What's the long term is for us is to show that we, we dug in. I, I've been saying this. When we got locked down, certain people locked their stuff down. Some people just cried and moaned and complained. As you saw some interviewers telling us how they should be at the front of, you know, media queues and stuff like that because you know, they're entitled. We didn't do that. We we locked we, we put our head down, we got to work, we got locked down. And uh, we we created a better you know, we created a better, um, you know, product um, and environment for the fighters. And that, that was what we wanted to do. So um, that, you know, and that's what we've done. So uh, the long term is that our fighters are going to be at the forefront of boxing when we get back to normal. They're going to be the ones who are, haven't been inactive for a year and a half. They're going to be the ones who are going to be queuing up for those TV slots with Top Rank and PBC and Matchroom and people like that. Because they're all talented enough to box on those cards. So that that that's the goal for us. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Once again, he, him and his team are putting it together. It's a ho- holiday havoc, December 19th. It's going to be in Greenville, South Carolina. It's uh, P- featuring... Pistol, P. Dobson. You got Melissa La Bella Bestia Parker. I give you once again a boxing writer and a fellow boxer himself, as well as reporter. I give you Chris Glover. Yeah. Uh, Chris, before I let you go, where can yeah. fans check you out? Uh, where is the Twitter page, the Instagram? And where can fans check out the promotion here and the holiday car? Like, where can we find out more details about uh, Holiday Havoc? You can find out any details. You can follow Havoc Advisory on Twitter and Instagram. 
Um, my personal Instagram, I'm not on Twitter, um, is at Glover, B-K-N-Y. Um, and I'm on Facebook at Chris Glover. So, yeah, f- feel free to follow me and keep updated with our shows. Chris Glover, ladies and gentlemen, once again, we are proud to have him on the show. Uh, we got to wrap this up, folks. So, once again, from a wonderful guest, for Chris Glover. For... Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, my pleasure. For Rohit Raju, for Brent Primus, this is Chris Connor saying have a great weekend, everyone. I'm out of here. Stay tuned. We'll be back on Wednesday with more action only on its last call. Last call at the alcohol only on the Blue Wire Hustle Network. Stay tuned for more great action.